Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. You know, I'm convinced, uh, maybe more now than ever before, that, uh, uh, that God wants us all to be uncommon. Uh, that He wants us to be together as a gathering of people, an uncommon church, and an uncommon people. He wants us to live less than usual in our Christian life. He wants us to be remarkable in how we go about living and serving. In a word, He wants us to be uncommon. The last several weeks, we have really uh, dialed in on this idea of being uncommon. And, and, and we focused in and we've said, hey, as a church, we exist to help people know God. That's, that's part of why we exist. We want people to know God. And uh, we want people to grow in their relationship with God. That's why we're here. And we want to do that in a number of ways. We want to be uncommon and how we do that, and why we exist. We want to be an uncommon church by being uncommon in our invitation, and we want to be uncommon in our sharing. And this morning I want to talk about the third thing, we want to be uncommon in our service. We want to be uncommon in how we go about serving others. Now let me tell you what I mean when I talk about service. I'm not talking about the easy kind of service. Of course I wouldn't. That would be too easy, right? I wouldn't want to let you off easy. When I talk about uncommon service, I'm not talking about menial tasks like, you know, mowing the lawn. I'm not talking about coming in and, and vacuuming. I'm talking about, those are common, Right? Anybody can do that. It doesn't take, a, doesn't take a, a special spirit-filled kind of person to come in and do those things. Are they important? Absolutely. Do we need to mow the lawn? Do we need to vacuum? Do we need to pick up? Do we need, do we need to make sure that the, uh, the trash is taken out? All of those things. Absolutely. But we're talking about uncommon service. I found as I looked through Scripture that uncommon service... Uh, might best be happening when, uh, when Christians are, are faced with themselves and with other people, right? Not just a task. Sometimes I think that uncommon service is crystallized when we're focusing on other people who have to deal with their sin. There's this, there's this old song. Many of you know it. It's an old hymn. It goes something like this. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Maybe you know that one. And the hard, hard re- reality to that song is that it's true of Christians as well as non-Christians. If we're going to be uncommon in our service, then it's going to require something of the depth of who we are. It's going to require us to be Spirit-filled. It's going to require us to be, well, quite frankly, everything that God needs us to be. It's going to require us to be uncommon. What does it take? What does it take to be uncommon in our service when other Christians are caught in sin? 
when, when, when our Christian brother is an entangled in, in a sin, how is it that we serve them in an uncommon way? When, when we recognize that someone else sitting beside us in this room is wrestling and struggling with sin, how do we serve them in an uncommon way? The text this morning, God's Word is going to tell us. It's going to tell us that, that if we want to serve in an uncommon way, it's going to mean that we have to walk in the Spirit of God and not in our flesh. And this is a hard thing, isn't it? Or maybe I'm the only one. To walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's going to mean that, uh, that, that we do things differently, not the usual way, but a different way. God's way. In Galatians chapter 5 and 6, there's this structure uh, that Paul has, has really outlined for us. And in chapter 5, he, he begins to say, hey, this is what it means to live in the flesh, and this is what it means to live in the Spirit. And, and if you want to serve in an uncommon way, you're going to have to walk in the Spirit of God. You're going to have to be filled with the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit that's been given to Christians. You're going to have to walk in that way. In chapter 5, he has said, hey, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he begins to name some of them. Hey, that's living in the flesh and you don't want to live there. And then he says, you know, that famous passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. And that's how you want to live. That's where you want to start. How do we serve Christians in an uncommon way? Christians not just who are uh, doing great, but Christians who are sinning, who are entangled in sin. I want to just address three questions with you this morning. They're really simple questions that really walk us through uh, this text and how is it that we can be uncommon in our service. And the first one is just this, what? What is it that we need to do with Christians Fellow Christians, uh, people who are filled with the Spirit of God but just don't happen to be walking there right now. How is it that we come alongside of them? What is it that we do in order to help them? What do we do? That's the first question. The second question is why? Why in the world uh, would we take uh, our heart, our, our effort, our anxiety, our sleepless nights, uh, why uh, would we go about trying uh, to help another brother or sister in Christ? So why would we do what we have to do? What's the big picture as to the reason that we should do all of this? Um, why should we give our effort and our energy to all of this? And then maybe the, the last question is really where we want to get to how. how. How should we do what we need to do? How is it that we come alongside a brother or sister who has been caught in sin? How, how do we do that? And the great thing is uh, God is not absent. He is not silent in answering those questions for us. I'm going to be in Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 1 and 2. If you're following along with me, you want to grab a pew Bible that's sitting in front of you. It's page 813. And I'll give you a moment to, to go ahead and turn there.
What do we do? What do we do when a fellow brother, a fellow sister, a fellow person in this room, a fellow uh, member in the community of Christ, what do we do? The text is going to say that we restore them and we carry their burdens for them. Look at verse 1 and 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. Notice what he says. He says, those who are spiritual. He's referring to those of you who right now in your walk with God, uh, everything is going pretty well. Right? You're, you're walking in the, the fruits of the Spirit that He's just outlined in the end of chapter 5. Uh, you're filled with gentleness and self-control and patience and kindness and faithfulness and joy. Right, The fruits of the Spirit. You're walking. You are a spiritual one. Uh, those of you who are spiritual, He's referring to those of you uh, in your walk with Christ and you're filled with the Spirit and you're doing what you ought to be doing. You live by the Spirit. And then you notice someone out there and, and, and they're sinning and they're caught in sin and they're entangled there. And, and Paul just simply says, what's your job? What's your responsibility? What's your role? You restore them. You restore them. Uh, it, this word for restore is a really interesting one. It, it really goes back in history uh, to, to the idea of setting things straight. Of setting things right again. It's been used of, uh, of a fisherman who has holes in his nets and he, he has to go about cutting and pasting until he can mend his nets. It, it was used uh, in, in part by, of a medical term of, of someone who broke their leg or broke their arm and, and the doctor has to come and, and set the arm right again in order for it to heal. Restoring isn't always easy, and sometimes it can, quite frankly, be painful. But he says, for those of you who are spiritual, your job, your role, your responsibility is to restore your brother. Several years ago, uh, I have a really good friend, his name is Jason, and uh, uh, he was working in the shop one day, and uh, he was working on some table saw things, and uh, it was late, and, and he was tired, and uh, you know how it is when you get late, and it's tired, and you're working with power tools, and, you, and maybe you, you don't think about some things that maybe you, sh- you should have thought about, uh, and that you would have thought about had you not been so tired. And he was working on the table saw, and he ran some pieces through, and, and he ran most of his hand through as well. And his wife called late that night and said, hey... Um, you know, I've got the girls here, and uh, I need someone to go check on Jason. He was working uh, at, at another location. I need someone to go there and check on him because he hasn't called and he hasn't come home. And, and would you go? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I get in the car. I have no idea what I'm going to find. I don't know if it's just his cell phone battery ran dead and he was working late, but I, I go over to where he was working, and there he was. And and, uh, and, and he is, he's really just out of himself. He's in shock. He's wrapped a paper towel around his, his hand, and he's trying to tell me that we should clean up before we go to the hospital. I'm like, no, bud, I, I think that's a really bad idea. 
And we get to the emergency room, and he's, he's just cut his hands wide open. And it's on his left hand where his wedding ring is. And when we go into, we go into the emergency room, and he's, he's got to have his, his ring off in, in order for them to begin to restore his hand. And that nurse worked and pried until she could work that wedding ring off so they could clean the wound and begin to stitch him back together again. It was painful. The whole time the nurse is trying to say, I'm really sorry, but this has to happen. We have to do this. Restoring a brother and sister in Christ can oftentimes be that way. They've just gashed themselves with a life full of sin, and you have to be the one in the emergency room saying, I am ready and willing to restore you. Let's take this off so that this healing process can finally begin. And I want you to notice what the text says about how we're to restore uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who, who have, have fallen into sin. Did, did, did you notice this? He says, those of you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Uh, the words in the original text are that we should restore in the spirit of gentleness. He's coming back to that spirit-filled life. If you want to live the uncommon Christian life and you want to practice uncommon service, then it's crystallized in how we go about restoring our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, restore them gently. How is it that you restore them? You restore them gently. You don't go nagging at them. You don't yell at them. You don't wave signs in their face. You don't beat them over the head with your Bibles. You don't bring, bring, bring your Bible over every day and quote to them Scriptures about how bad they are. It's not how you restore gently. You have to walk with them in the mire of where they are. Now, now, now track with me here. Here's the great thing about Jesus. Folks, Jesus meets us where we are, doesn't He? Now granted, Jesus is never going to leave us there. He's not, gonna, he's not just going to say, uh, you can stay here and it's no big deal. He wants to restore us, but He meets us where we are. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're Spirit-filled and we recognize what Jesus has done for us and we do that for others and we restore our brothers and sisters gently and we walk beside them and say, look, this is the direction you need to go. Maybe there's some repenting that needs to take place. Maybe there's some healing that needs to happen. Uh, maybe there's some decisions and choices that have to be different than they are right now. But you, I want you to come this way and we have to be willing to walk in the ugliness of life with them, don't we? No, let, let's just, let's just uh, uh, skip the formality for a moment, right? Let's get past the romantic idea that once we come to Christ, everything's rosy. And my life is suddenly just this wonderful bliss. Bliss is coming. It's called heaven. And it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. 
But until then, you and I, we have to be willing at the depth of ourself to serve each other in the lowest points of our life. We practice uncommon service when we're willing to restore and do it gently. Many, many years ago when I was a kid, uh, my dad, I got lots of spankings. I know that uh, (laughs) Barry's back there going, yeah, I bet you did. I got lots of spankings as a kid. But there were times, lots of times actually, that my dad would come home and my mom would expect me to get a whipping. My dad used a belt and, and he would pull it out and it was crazy. But there were lots of times that my dad would come into my room and he would sit down with me and he would say, kind of like, well, Mike, you did it again. And instead of pulling out his belt, he'd walk me through, and we'd talk through, and he'd say, I love this. I'm not going to whip you tonight. Just act sad when you leave your room. I wonder if restoring a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, someone who who is with us in Christ, if restoring them and serving them is something like that, I'm not going to whip you. I'm going to walk with you. What do we need to do? What do we need to do to serve uncommonly? We need to restore There's another thing that we need to do. Uh, Verse 2, I'm going to do this very quickly. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is simply this, folks, love. If you were to look in Romans 10 and Romans 13, Paul makes very clear that the law of Christ has been fulfilled in Christ through love. And he's saying, hey, if you carry each other's burdens... Uh, By the way, the word for for burden here is really a burden that you and I cannot hold on our own. We can't carry it by ourselves. And there are burdens that we can't carry by ourselves. There are sin burdens that unless some other person, another brother or sister in Christ comes alongside of us, we cannot be restored. Listen, I need you. And you need me. Uh, This is what it means to be the body of believers. This isn't just about me and God. This is about all of us working together to make sure that we're living in the Spirit of God so that we can continue to live uncommonly. Carry each other's burdens. Uh, Several weeks ago, I was talking with Dale Hofling and... uh, and Dale, if you've ever met him, like uh, he's like, man, God has restored me, and it's been great, and I love it. And, and, he, and he started talking about celebrate recovery and what it's meant to him. And, and in the course of this conversation, here's, here's the brilliance of what I heard him say. He said, we're all recovering from something. 
we all are recovering from something. Some of us just don't know it. You see, we're all recovering from something. We all have a burden that we can't handle on our own. We all have a load of sin uh, that, uh, that we can't handle alone. And of course, of course, that begins with Jesus. But you get to be the hands and feet. You get to be the ones that walk alongside. What do we do? We restore We do so gently and we carry the burdens that we cannot carry alone. So why? Why do we do this? Uh, Why do we bother to, to, to engage ourselves in the muck and the mire of someone else's stuff? Why do we do that? The text is going to tell us it's because eternity is at stake. Notice with me, look at verse 8 in chapter 6. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He says in verse 9, Let us become weary, excuse me, let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The time. When he talks about the time, he's talking about the time when Jesus is going to come back a final time. When everything is ended. When Christians themselves will have to stand before God and give an account of what they've done. He's talking about that time. Why is it that we do what we do? Why is it that we restore gently? Why is it that we bother to engage someone else in their stuff? We do it so that they can stand before Jesus approved when He comes again. And there cannot be any stronger motivation than that. I am willing to stand with you and help restore you so that you and I can both stand before God later. I'm willing to do that for you now so that we can both do that before God later. Here's the the truth. Uncommon service just propels us to eternal readiness. Uncommon service propels us to eternal readiness. If we're willing uh, to uncommonly serve our brother and sister in Christ now, we will be eternally ready later. He's saying there is an eternity waiting for us for those of us who are willing to live according to the Spirit of God. And we have to believe, folks, uh, that there is a common path that leads to destruction and there's an uncommon one that leads to eternal life. That's what he's saying. Why do we do it? Why do we engage others? Why do we restore gently? We do it because we need people who will stand ready before Jesus when He comes again. That's why. And I know all of you are hanging with bated breath. Okay, Mike, that's the what and the why. But how? How do we make this happen? How in the world do we engage people to restore them gently so that they stand approved 
when Jesus comes a final time. How? The text is going to say that we practice justice. That we never stop doing what's right at the right time. Look at this. Look at this. It's that very beginning portion of of verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up in doing good. Verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people universally, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good. It's not complicated, is it? How is it that we go about restoring believers and serving uncommonly in, in tough environments when we have to restore a brother? We, we serve uncommonly by doing good. By doing good. You know what justice is? Here's what justice is. Justice is having the power to do something and carrying it out into doing good. Let's say that you have the power to heal a blind man and you do it. That's justice. That's just. You've done the right thing. And if you had that power and you went all over the world healing people uh, from their blindness, uh, you would be practicing justice. Gang, we have an opportunity with our brothers and sisters in Christ to do good and in doing good, practice justice. Here's here's the reality. You have the power. You have the authority from Scripture. You have the uh, opportunity through the Spirit of God to be able to restore brothers and sisters who are in Christ and who are caught in sin. Maybe, maybe it is that you have an opportunity to come alongside and restore a brother or sister in Christ that has this awful blind spot in their life. I don't have any blind spots in my life. Some of you will get that later. Maybe you have an opportunity to, to say, hey, I think this is a blind spot for you. And you need to come and you need to repent and we need to, we need to make different choices here in order for you to, to get on with living a Spirit-filled life. And in so doing, you have the power and you've practiced and you've, you've essentially brought someone who is blind and allowed them to see. Maybe, maybe uh, the issue is, is uh, in your workplace and you work with a, a person that has proclaimed to be a Christian, and yet, and, and yet their work ethic doesn't follow through on that. And it, it's, really, it's really begin to grind on you and, and your other colleagues at work. And, and you have an opportunity in, in who you are uh, to begin to come alongside of them and restore them and say, hey, we need to talk about your work ethic. And then having the power to do something And doing it, you're practicing justice for that person. And you're doing good. And this this can be a a difficult task, can it? There may be always someone who is in need of restoration. And you might feel like, ugh, what? what, 
But Paul says, God's word says, hey, don't, don't grow weary in doing this. Don't grow weary in doing it. Continue to do it. Continue to do good. Constantly do it. Because there is a harvest that is coming. Maybe even the sin is discovered in your own home. Uh, maybe it's with one of your family members. Maybe it's with your spouse. And you have to come alongside of the closest Christian that is, is within, within proximity to you, and you need to restore them. And you need to walk beside them, and you need to serve them in doing good. How do we do this? How in the world do we begin to restore Christian brothers and sisters? How do we serve uncommonly? We do good. Several weeks ago, I, I confessed to this whole congregation. Uh, I, I told you that I, I yelled. Um, I'm not proud of that. Uh, but that I, I yelled loudly uh, at someone. Last week, I had someone come up to me after the service. And they lovingly put their arm around me and they said, Mike, I'm willing to keep you accountable to that. They didn't look at me and say, oh, Mike, you know, we're all human. Don't worry about it. They didn't excuse my sin. They said, here is my phone number. The next time that you get into a situation where, where you are tempted to begin yelling, uh, just text me. And I'll do the same for you. How is it that we begin to restore brothers and sisters who are caught in sin? How is it that we serve uncommonly? How is it that we walk in the Spirit of God? We do good. And we restore our brothers and sisters in Christ. So here's, here's simply what I want for you. I want you to think of one person today. One person that that you can come alongside of, that you can help restore, that you can serve in an uncommon way so that you and they can walk in the Spirit of God living inside of us and in so doing be ready for the final day when Jesus comes. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray that we will serve in an uncommon way and we'll engage in uncommon service because of you. For those who are in need of restoration, I pray that they are willing to accept the help of their spiritual brothers and sisters. Father, for those who are not in need of restoration now, but have the opportunity and the power to restore. I pray that they, you will grant them courage and boldness to restore where it's needed. And in this, Lord, help us to be uncommon in our service. In Jesus' name.